This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. My guest today is Christy Wolf, fantastic photographer, fantastic woman. I'm learning about this woman. Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So I don't even know where to begin because it's not about the photography at first, is it? No, it definitely isn't about the photography at first. Okay, so share your story. All right. My past is as a teacher. So for the last about 12 years, I've been an educator in Alberta, first in Calgary and then in Edmonton. And now we've moved to Canmore. But I think my photography journey started with my son. So I have a seven-year-old son, Kane, and a five-year-old son named Maverick. And when Kane was in utero, he was diagnosed with heart issues. At the time, they had some ideas, but they weren't really sure. They were thinking that he was going to have to be um, possibly operated on immediately upon birth. And then Kane ended up coming eight weeks early. So... He was eight weeks early. We knew there was heart issues. We were in Edmonton at the time, so we were at the Royal Alexandra Hospital there. And when he came, there was a couple of other medical issues that were happening at the same time. And one of them was congenital scoliosis. So he was born with three hemivertebrae, which are half-formed vertebrae in his back. So we learned that the heart didn't need to be transported immediately. It was a ventricular septal defect and an atrial septal defect. So basically just two holes in his heart. And so we spent the first 54 days as a family in the NICU at the Royal Alex, um, just learning how to get him breathing and feeding and growing. He was four pounds when he was born, so he wasn't like a micro preemie. He just looked little. And yeah, so that, that first part of our lives was spent in the NICU. And prior to that, I had done a couple photography courses. My husband had given me a DSLR, like a Nikon D90, um, just after we got engaged a couple years before. And I'd taken a couple classes and kind of interested. And when we were in the NICU, I just found I was reading a lot of blogs and, and learning more about photography. And I had this like kid just laying there that I could take pictures of all the time. So he was kind of my subject. And that's where I really started taking photos. Um, and then once we were home, I kept kind of documenting what we were doing. And I ended up starting a blog about six months later. And it was mostly because none of our family was in Edmonton and we had a lot of medical appointments still going on. And I wanted to be able to share the photos with our family and friends kind of thing. And so it kind of started from there. Now, while we were in the NICU, I tried to take photos for other families, but there was some red tape around that. So that didn't happen. But um, I was reading a blog post called Voluntography, Why Shooting for Free Makes Us Better Photographers. And it was a couple in Edmonton at the time who were photographing families for Ronald McDonald House. And I just like cold called them, sent an email that just said, hey, I love what you're doing. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, but I would love to help. And I got an email response saying, we are actually too busy. Will you take it over? And so wow. I took over that photography. And so for the six years, once a month, I was photographing Ronald McDonald House families, either at the house or across the street in there's like a school with a a field and a playground or in hospital if that's where they were in their story. So yeah, my photography came about because of our hospital experience. 
And then that as I'm sorry to interrupt you, when you're taking those pictures of those um, families, how did that affect you emotionally? It had to be somewhat difficult to do. You know what? It's probably one of the best things I could have done for myself without realizing it. Like I was just thinking that I was doing something for someone else and I was getting to photograph and I was learning how to do those things. But in hindsight, being able to support other families and doing it from a place where we've had a lot of those medical experiences. I know my way around the hospital. I know what it's like to be there. I know the details that I'm thinking about that I hate at the very moment that I'm in hospital, but down the road, I, I kind of need those things. Photography and writing about our experience has always kind of been my therapy. And so I think that in some cases, families were interested in this photography because they take photos themselves and that was a part of it. Some of them just wanted to tell their story or share it with their family that was far away. And so I think that a lot of what I felt photography was doing for me is also doing it for other people. So has there ever been a thought of putting a book together about this? Because important is that, uh, you know, these families are, are living these really stressful moments. And if, if they could tell that story, are they all happy endings? No, no. no. Um, lots, of them are, lots of them are still in the medical journey. Like I've had a couple kids with things that will be resolved. But for the most of the families, it's just something that, like, our story's not over. It will continue for all of Kane's life. He had a heart surgery at the age of one. He had a heart surgery just this past September when we moved to Canmore. We just found out this past week that he will have more heart surgeries. So, that, and that's only his heart. Like, <laughs> there's other stuff going on, too. So, just knowing that that's, like, kind of a continuous process. Wow. I've, I've also what, had... What sorry. Kind of- little boy is Cain because you know they really don't know that their life is different than than most other kids do they or no he definitely doesn't this is just a part of his life we've always made the hospital kind of um something special something we talk about something we read about um appointments at the hospital have always been a bit more of a date like oh we get to go to the hospital today and it's been something special for him and that was really important to me particularly this last heart surgery so he was We moved to Canmore in September. We had to go back up to Edmonton for his heart surgery at the end of September. And he's in grade one. He was six years old at the time. And now he knew a lot more of what was going on. And so that, for me, was a really hard part. We also had Maverick now. When when Kane had his first heart surgery, Maverick wasn't around yet. So having Maverick there and him aware of what was happening, all of those things, like we really try to talk about it and make it a positive experience as much as it can be because there's lots of things that aren't so positive about it. But photos is one of those things. I take photos, Kane takes photos, so we have a bit of a project because I was getting a bit worried about telling a story as he's getting older. And so he is doing a project with me called Together where he will also bring a camera, not every time, and he'll kind of document what is important to him at the hospital and we pair our photographs together um, just as another thing to do. What's important to Kane in his photography through his photography? He finds the most interesting things. So one of the ones that always stands out to me is that he was, every time he has an appointment with cardiology, he has an echo. And turns out on the ceiling of the echo room in Edmonton, there's like etched birds in the ceilings that I'd never noticed. And that's the kind of stuff that he was taking photographs of. So it wasn't necessarily like medical things, 
but it was just details that he was noticing about the hospital. And it, it really does shift your perspective a little bit to have like, oh, look at this little detail that I never would have recognized that that's what Kane sees. And I think yeah. that just turns it around a little bit. Oh my gosh, I so see a book here. Uh, this is a great book for, for you and Kane. And, and that's that now. So does Maverick ever feel, uh, or maybe he doesn't, he's still pretty young, but does he ever feel that uh, maybe Kane gets more attention or are you really, you and your husband are really um, intentional with your time with both? We are pretty intentional with our time with both. And I mean, Maverick hasn't been in school, so he's had lots of days with mom as well. So it's, it's different. Um, he, I mean, he also uses the camera. He just doesn't go to those kinds of appointments. I do worry a little bit about Maverick just for that sibling side of having a medical sibling. He is more concerned about um, doctors and hospitals. He's very concerned about needles. There's a lot that I see as being a part of the life that he's had that most other kids aren't aware of. And so, again, one of the things I feel is really important is talking to him about, like, how we can pay this forward and how we can be kind to others. And, and those kind of things, like, we talk about with the kids why I go and photograph families in hospital. And we talk about, I was a peer mentor at the hospital too. So talking about how you can help other people. And I think that you do what you can. And that's one of the things I feel like I can do. Yeah, and, and you have to, in all that scariness, because I would imagine it would be very frightening um, as a parent, of course, but um, trying to, you know, what a, what a balancing act you have to do to give them a life like every child has, even though really both of them don't have the same life as, as the other kids. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. And I think we talk about the pictures. We talk about other families whose kids have other things going on. Um, and so just normalizing that whole experience. I mean, my kids are in public education. There's kids with speech devices in their class. Um, they know other families with scoliosis and heart disease, like those kind of things. So just making it visible is part of what I do, but also with my photography. That's something that I think is really important. Um, probably my biggest goal is to make documentary family photography accessible to medical and special needs and palliative families because I think that everybody needs to see this, but I think that caregivers really need to see themselves in the story. You mentioned a book and it's interesting because the only thing that I would really make into a book is this most recent heart surgery. We had a photographer who I had met through a photography conference. Her name's Roz and she has Slice of Love Photography and she came up and spent 48 hours with us and photographed Kane's surgery. And so from his September surgery, I have her photographs, my photographs, and some photographs that Kane has taken. And that is where I could see, like I've worked on it a bit for a class I did at Arts Place with Stefan Lego about like memoir writing. And that's oh, what I found. Oh, he's fabulous, focused. isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really yeah. is. And yeah. so that... Like I've always blogged about it. So my story is there in bits and pieces and our story is there in bits and pieces. But the idea of a book, like I was thinking about a photography book with these three different perspectives to tell that story. And I mean, the number of people that I've photographed whose kids have heart concerns um, who are either living with it or who have passed away. There's so many other people that we know in this same thing. And when thinking back to like life in the NICU and what it was like when we were first finding out, I think hearing success stories and hearing how people are managing 
is really important for families that are new to a diagnosis. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other kind of book that I see is a children's book where you are normalizing that everyone uh, is the same. You know, I mean, everyone has their their stuff. I mean, typically you don't have it at five, but, you know, what it does is it, it, I would think that it would bring a great deal of compassion for for the other children and maybe that little bit of gratitude piece. I mean, I don't know that, you know, kids really get the gratitude piece, uh, you know, unless you're really diligent as a parent to, to bring that into their world early. But um, a child, a children's book would be lovely too, because, you know, when, it, I don't know if that bullying piece comes into the school system later on, you know, kids are kids and they can be very cruel to each other. And wouldn't it be nice to get them headed off at the pass where it's like, hey, listen, not everyone has what you have or some people are struggling, you know? Yeah. And so for the past four years, just before we moved to Canmore, I was teaching grade one and I talked to my grade ones all the time. I would bring up my blog. I would show them pictures of Kane. They knew what was going on with Kane. Not all the details, but they knew that he used the Stollery Children's Hospital. They knew that he had had a heart surgery, all those kind of things. Um, and I mean, he was a similar age to them. So I had kids in grade six when I was leaving the school that were like, can you keep us up to date on Kane? Um, because they'd heard the story through the years kind of thing. We used like when, whenever we had something going on that was like a fundraiser type thing, like we had a book sale and the kids decided to do the Stollery Children's Hospital because that's, that's a story that they were hearing about. Um, when Kane had his surgery, <laughs> this is kind of entertaining. So we've always called Kane our heart warrior. And in the summer, our kids knew that there was going to be a heart surgery. Like we kind of, we didn't talk about it a lot, but it was put out there. So it wasn't just like a surprise. Like we took Maverick to the hospital in the summer and just let him walk around and look around and that kind of stuff. But Maverick said to me, well, if Kane's a heart warrior, what kind of warrior am I? And my husband and I kind of stopped and we're like, okay, we are the Wolfpack Warriors. Our last name is Wolf. We call ourselves the Wolfpack. We have since day one. And so now we've talked about with the kids that we're the Wolfpack Warriors. And we talked about getting some shirts made for our family. So we got these shirts made. And then some of our other family is asking about it. Some of our friends were asking it. So we ended up turning it into a fundraiser. And we had a, a bunch of shirts made up. And then people bought them. And the proceeds went to the Stollery Children's Hospital. So that was kind of something that we did as a fundraiser, but also as a mental health support, we asked people to take a picture and send it to us around when Kane was having surgery. So he, we got a ton of pictures from across Canada of friends and family who were wearing these Wolfpack Warrior shirts just to like to show solidarity. And at the time, I mean, Kane was not aware of it before the surgery, definitely not aware of it right after the surgery, but then we've been able to show them those pictures and talk about that. And that has made a huge difference. So yeah. just one of those little things. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I know there was, uh, I can't, don't remember how many years ago, but there was a young lad in Canmore that um, had passed away from cancer. And uh, to watch those young kids rally around him and rally around the family and then you know a couple of years later when they all graduated he was a he this lad that had passed away had been given an honorary uh diploma and they really kept him with them and i think it was such a moment for their lives that you know he 
through his death, has brought an incredible amount of compassion to these kids in, in Canmore, which is really beautiful. That is awesome. Yeah. I actually was just, I got an email this morning. So I've been listening to Brene Brown's new podcast, mm-hmm. Unlocking Us. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, she is my person. I think she's everybody's person. You know? <laughs> I think she might be. <laughs> oh my gosh, who doesn't love that woman? I just think she's crazy amazing. But anyway. And some of the stuff she's talking about right now with grief um, around self-isolation and those kind of things really speaks to me, but it also speaks to me um, because of of our medical diagnosis. Like it changes your life when you have a child who is diagnosed with something. Um, and I photograph medical families. So this is something I talk about a fair bit with medical families. And I actually got an email this morning from one of the families I did the Front Steps project for who had contacted me, me to say that her son had had leukemia and he beat it and they would like to be part of the Front Steps project. And then she wrote me a whole bunch about their story and about how she's coping right now with um, the isolation after having had to isolate because of her son's immune system a few years ago. So it was just a really interesting parallel. Um, she also sent me a video of the three years that he was undergoing treatment and what that looked like. And it was just... It reminded me how powerful these pictures are and being able to look back and kind of say, okay, we did this, we made it through this and like, yeah, we can do anything. Absolutely. And, um, and I, you know, back to your point on grief, um, I think it's, it's really important for parents that are going through this with their, their children is that piece on grief is very, very real and you need to honor it because if you stuff that stuff down, it's just going to make it uh, worse down the road. And I mean, it's a really, uh, to me, it's a beautiful way to walk through your grief with your children. I mean, they don't, they don't feel that grief because they don't know any differently. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, we all do that as parents. We were going to have, you know, the most, you know, whatever athletic, you know, smartest, they're all going to be doctors or whatever. And it, none of that matters. It, it, what matters is that they come from a healthy family that are able to communicate with each other. And at the same time, the parent or parents are still looking after themselves because that cannot be easy, Christy. I mean, uh, I have to say, you make it sound like you kind of, uh, you know, floated through it, but I, I think you didn't. <laughs> no, I would have to say I didn't. Um, there's definitely times that are harder than other times. And I think that like my husband never understood why I would, how I would go and talk to families and how I would go and photograph them in hospital, particularly like I photograph families whose babies have passed away and then I get to photograph them. Um, but all of that to me is so important because I would want somebody to do that for us. And just being able to, to do something for someone in a time like that is really important to me. Like just the pay it forward. There were so many things that were done for us when we were in hospital that you can't repay, you just have to find a way to pay it forward. And that's, I think, a big, big piece to um, why I do the type of photography I do. And just, I've fallen into it and I love it. Well, and, uh, you know, when we were talking about that before we were recording today, or the other day when we were chatting, but um, this Front Steps project did during the COVID-19, there's a lot of people right now that are very afraid they're, you know, they're suffering from anticipatory grief because you don't know what their life's going to look like. It's completely different than it was two months ago. 
And so I think you're giving them a lot of uh, hope just through those pictures that it brings together the family unit. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Yeah, and I mean, people have said, made comments like, well, I was so looking forward to this. I showered, I put on clothes, like just to have this. It's just, it is one little thing. It takes five to 10 minutes. I text people before I get there. I'm shooting from the sidewalk. I'm keeping a distance. We just have a quick conversation and just a connection. And it's been amazing, honestly, for my mental health. Um, and I think for the families that, that are getting the photos, it's not something you have to do, but it is just one little thing we can do. Well, and I think, you know, to your point about something you don't have to do, uh, you know, I might disagree with you because, uh, you know, we're talking about what's essential now and what is is essential. I mean, the second pandemic that's going to hit us is mental health and yeah. it already has it within the first one. And um, I think it's really important to see people that are, you know, are lucky enough to be with their family. They've got those smiling faces you know, um, you can, all your pictures are beautiful. Um, they just, they really do give that. There's like almost an aura around each one of them about that, uh, what's really important. Oh, I love that. Especially because yeah. I, I have a really hard, so I consider myself a documentary or a storytelling photographer. So if in normal circumstances, we had a session together, I'd be like, cool, I'm coming at this time and I'm going to hang out with you guys. I'm not posing you. We're not doing any, like it's whatever your family is doing, that's what I'm doing with you. So in hospital or at home or out at a playground, it's just capturing what life is like. Those are the kind of photos that speak to me. Um, and so it is really interesting going to front steps and people are like, okay, hey, how do you want us to stand? I'm like, oh, I'll just tell you if you look strange. <laughs> like get with your family and I'll let you know if somebody needs to move. But this is you. This is not, I'm not trying to set it up in any way. Um, yeah, yeah. This is just this is life right now. Totally, and you know, and to that point, you know, I'm not with my family right now. My family lives in Airdrie, and that's been really hard for me because I'm super, uh, super close to my son and his wife and my granddaughter, and we have another granddaughter on the way, and so I really miss, even though we have FaceTime and we talk almost daily. Um, when I when you did that. Uh, that photo for me, which I'll attach to this podcast when, when it comes live. But it really, I was, I felt like, oh my gosh, I'm standing here all by myself, but I didn't 
feel like I was by myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. Like the first I mean, thing I'm going to be able to do is hug. I'm not sure if I want to hug my son or my granddaughter first, you know? <laughs> yep. It's just a big group <laughs> hug. <laughs> yeah, likely. And I think that was a big piece of the photography for me. I think every time we've gone to appointment, I generally am photographing, um, always asking medical personnel if they're okay with it. But we were at a cardiology appointment just this last week at the Alberta Children's Hospital, and I'm photographing, and I was just talking to our, our echo tech, and she like basically did a front steps project outside her office in the middle of the hospital because she loved this idea of just people getting to see what's happening. And... That's what I wanted my family to be able to see. Again, they were far away. We have family all over Canada. And I wanted them to be able to see what life was like for our family going through all these different things. So that, I don't know, it was, yeah. it was my way of communicating with people. Yeah. And I mean, there's a number, uh, you know, Malcolm in Banff, Malcolm Carmichael, another wonderful person, family man, photographer. He's doing it for the Banff, um, Banff families. And I just, I just think that's such an important piece to, to community, not to the community, but to community of family and friends and, and all of those things. And it gives us a little bit of hope that, you know, okay, we are going to walk, we are going to get through this. We just have to trust it. And it's beautiful to see families. And I love the families that are holding on to their dogs. Yeah. You know, those are part of their family too. Yeah. And so, okay. So moving forward for you, is this going to become something for you that uh, you're not teaching anymore, right? I am a substitute teacher with the Canadian Rockies. So one day <laughs> when school goes back in and my kids go back to school um, yeah. and I do speak about photography at teachers conventions and conferences. Um, and part of it is using photography with your students. Part of it is using photography to document learning. Um, some of the proposals that I've put in are building personal photography projects like for teachers as their mental health. And actually at Arts Place um, in May, I will be doing a personal photography, a six-week personal photography projects online course that they're offering. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah. So just, yeah. That's, I mean, that's what my photography has been. It's been personal projects that some are short-term, some are long-term, that have turned into other things. And so, I, you know, I'll have to back up and apologize because I kind of made it sound like you're not teaching anymore, but you're homeschooling your boys right now. Oh, my. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I love teaching. I am definitely a teacher. I never, ever wanted to homeschool my own children. (laughs) Ever. And so it it is a challenge. We've got a routine kind of going. There's a lot more screen time than we've ever had before. It will work, but it's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> no, and you know, I was just, I just actually uh, did another podcast this morning with a gal who um, had two children very young and was battling cancer. And she had, her kids were at home uh, when her older one was at school, the younger one was there and she just couldn't, she was not going to be able to, do what most moms could do in terms of, you know, going out the swimming lessons and all of that kind of stuff. So she said, you know, Dora, the explorer was her, you know, her best friend. And we did make that talk about, or that mention about, you know, there's so much time about kids shouldn't have so much screen time. It's got, I'm just so glad I'm not raising 
my son in these times because I didn't have to worry about screen time, right? He got kicked out of the house every morning. Go play. Yeah. Yeah. It is now. It's definitely a lot different. And it'll be interesting. I think that once kids go back to school, because we have had, and I'm not like, I've been laid off from my job right now. So I am home with my kids and I can do this and I have the background to be able to do it. And we have stuff coming from his Kane's teacher. So we have lots of materials to, to work on his education with. And really we're focusing on literacy and numeracy. That's honestly all we need to do right now. Right. But it's just, it will be interesting when all these kids go back to school. And in lots of cases, kids have really had to run their own show while their parents are both working from home. I can't even imagine trying to juggle that right now. My husband is still out um, working. So we moved to Canmore because um, my husband's family bought Canbo Motors. So it's now called Wolf Canmore and it's the GM dealership here in Canmore. So he is working because the this, this service side of things are considered an essential service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a little scary in that he's going out every day and he's, he's with a few other people. But on the flip side, we're not all here all day I together say, because I don't know how people are doing that. Uh, I was going to say, Christy, really? <laughs> that is wonderful that he's not. Yeah. Uh, isn't that terrible? Uh, but <sighs> these times are really, uh, really stressing. And yes, it's lovely that people can be home with their families, but it is really, it's got to be difficult. I mean, I remember my my uh, boy when he was young, He, we always used to have so much fun, but I tell you, Monday was my favorite day because I could go back to work and he was gone to school. And yeah. it's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone nope. to stay home, but I think you're right. It's going to be interesting to see what the family unit looks like after COVID uh, is gone, hopefully, sooner than later. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if families are going to be able to communicate differently. Um, and yeah, the kids are really in a really weird learning, not conscious learning model right now. But it it'll, it would be super interesting to know how that's working. I would I have to confess I probably would have been the parent that may not have pushed the school thing so much, I would have made it more of an adventure, you know, playing Scrabble. Maybe that's a learning thing, but, you know, playing Scrabble, I never, yeah, I I don't know if it was right or not. I mean, he's fine, so it must have been. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know know what? Honestly, we, I mean, one of the things we're working on this week are creating a comic book. Like, there are lots of ways you can make things interesting, but with Kane's medical history, um, his attention is something that we're looking into and his ability to read is something that we're looking into. So it is a struggle and I have the background and I am struggling with working on things with him. So I just, I want like the average parent out there to know that it it doesn't matter who you are. This is hard and you are okay. You're going to be able to do it. And if you can't do it that day, then stop that day. Exactly. And, you know, as a parent with a, a, you know, you're probably younger than my son, but anyway, he wasn't a, he wasn't a great um, student. He just, you know, was really always busy and boys are busy. Holy cow. (laughs) You know, I tried to not put too much emphasis on his schooling because I knew that wasn't going to work for him. I didn't want to kind of put that pressure on him and he's thriving. So, you know, the thing that I will say, um, God, I sound like I'm 80, but <laughs> kids are going to miss two or three months of school. 
it is okay. If you're yes. teaching them to read and write, you know, or they don't even write anymore, do they? I don't know. But it, it, that's what's important. Yeah, yeah. And the screen time can be, you know, all of the, um, you know, documentaries on, you know, the world, you know, the planet and all that kind of stuff. Well, and honestly, they're amazing things. We have, so we've got an iPad that we use and I've got apps that are called brain food and apps that are junk food. And I'm sure you can imagine that 90% of the apps out there are junk food, um, (laughs) games and things. But there are some really solid apps. A couple off the top of my head are the Khan Academy for kids, has got great stuff for younger kids. Um, Epic Books has a ton of books um, that will read to you or you can read. Um, Starfall is a great site for younger kids and Raz Kids. So there's there's lots of things like my kids are reading books and they're like choosing topics that they want to look at. And then we kind of go further with some of those things. So there's lots of ways you can use technology to support it. So I do, I do feel like my kids are on screens a lot and they're definitely still getting a lot of junk food, but there's a lot of things out there that you can use that I I guess, I guess she just won't feel so guilty about using it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, so, so to that point, so we've kind of, you know, you've got, you, you clearly still love your uh, role as a, as a teacher, which is lovely. I don't think you should give it up. I mean, do whatever you want, but that's (laughs) you my motherly advice. (laughs) Good teachers, right? There's, uh, it's not an easy job for sure, but in your documentary piece or not your, your documentary, you have a blog and it was so funny. I need to tell the audience we had decided, Christy and I had decided that we were going to name this podcast Figuring It Out. Well, isn't it just weird how the universe goes? The name of Christy's blog is Figuring It Out. So it was one of the blogs I did about um, using photography with kids. So we've kind of got a bunch of projects up on there that I'd been doing this year. And one of them was using like figures or Legos was what we used and taking pictures of the figures in a scene. Um, so just Love a that. weird coincidence. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, I try not to research. I do a bit of research with my podcast guests because I like it to keep it fresh and I would like it not to be so interviewee style. And when we said that, it's like, yeah, I know I'm on the right path because I would, uh, it just was so organic how that came out that it's called figuring it out. Um, what's next for you, Christy, and not talking about COVID. Let's say COVID's gone now and the kids are back in school and the universe is righted and hopefully we've learned some lessons from this time. What's next for Christy Wolf? Hmm. I think that there's, I've got lots of ideas. <laughs> so one of the things, one of the things that I'm doing, um, is there's a family in the Bow Valley that I'm following. Um, their daughter has Rett syndrome. And so I was doing a photojournalism course with um, my photography mentor. Her name's Christina Nyborg. And she kind of asked us to pick a project and focus on for five months. And so it happens to be that I was working with Melanie and her daughter. And I had photographed them at home. And we'd gone to Edmonton for a Rett syndrome clinic. And I was photographing them there. And now I'm photographing them kind of through this stuff too. So we did a front steps project and one day they were just outside with bikes and I was socially distanced and taking some photos of what life looks like right now because it is a lot different. So one of the things is continuing that project with Melanie. Um, I think one of the big things is going to be to continue 
talking about getting caregivers in photographs and figuring out ways to make um, storytelling photography something that's accessible to medical and special needs and palliative families because I think it is a really important piece. And again, not everybody is going to want this, but there are lots of people out there that do need those photographs to be able to go back over and kind of to process what's happened. Um, speaking is a big one. I had a bunch of conferences lined up for April. In fact, today I'm supposed to be at a conference and I love speaking with people about our experience um, and how photography has helped me to get through that and um, how it continues to help me every, every time I pick up my camera. Um, so I, that's something that I'm really hoping to continue to work with. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't know if you uh, remember a lady uh, a number of years ago, she had been diagnosed with lung cancer. I think her name was Barb. She's from Edmonton, Barb Tarbell. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, that was probably uh, just on the beginning of, of telling stories through photography. It was so powerful for me to, and so brave of her to, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, she went through her journey. Um, she was speaking to, to kids about, you know, don't smoke. She was a heavy smoker. And uh, right up until her final moment on this earth, she was photographed, she was um, photographed, and I think I want to say it's by Carrie Diot, but I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I can't remember. Uh, someone who's from, uh, I think it was from The Sun in Edmonton. And so powerful to see someone's final journey. And she was full on, you know, took full responsibility. I don't know if it, if, you know, I, she did. She just took full responsibility saying, listen, if you don't want to die early, then quit smoking. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's a big gift you have, Christy. Thank you. Yeah. Don't and I just, I do want to mention that you mentioned Malcolm Carmichael, and there are a couple other photographers in the Bow Valley that are also doing the Front Steps Project just as a way to support their neighbors. Um, Kelly is in Exshaw, and Andrew Barron is here in, in Canmore also doing the project. And so, I don't know, just That's a little wonderful. shout out to those so, guys too. Yeah, I love that you did that. Thank you. I wasn't aware of just because I know Mark, Malcolm personally and I've met you and that's how we've kind of connected, but absolutely. And you know, there's so many people in the Bow Valley. There's room for lots. Isn't mm -hmm. And there's so many small things happening. Like all four of us that I know of that are doing this photography project um, are all just asking people to pay it forward somehow. This is not about making money. Like there, no way. This is about just doing something kind for somebody else so that we put it out there and pay it forward to either donating to the food bank or hope for hospitality or whatever it is that you can do. Um, and that is realistic for you at this stage. Um, it could just be calling a neighbor if that's what you need to do, but finding a way to pay it forward, I think is really important at this stage of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so we have to bring, there was an article. Um, we talked about it briefly before we started this about the, um, uh, some of the photographers coming under fire for doing this during COVID. So we need to make it very, very clear that uh, you are social distancing. Uh, I know you are because I, uh, 
you know, I was three stories above you taking a picture and I got a picture of you taking a picture of me. That's going to come out too. Um, but, you know, it, it is, you are being responsible. Everyone's being socially, uh, the photographers are being socially responsible and so are the people having their picture taken, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they definitely are. So, and we recognize that things can change. So at this moment in the Bow Valley, um, we've had one of the RCMP officers that we took photos for was absolutely, she made it 100% clear that what we're doing is absolutely fine. And she will let us know if that changes and we need to stop. So families that have already booked in with me, I have let them know that this can get canceled. And if they're not comfortable, we can reschedule for when things are not so crazy. Um, it's just something to spread a little joy. So Christy, um, after COVID in yeah. the world... Are you still going to do the Front Steps project? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. That's a really good question. What I actually was thinking about was being able to do it a bit more for people who have been on the front lines. Um, because I know that, first of all, they don't have time. Um, and just any type of risk doesn't make sense for people to be doing if they are um, working in the hospital working at grocery stores, that kind of thing. But so I would like to tell stories a bit more for people who during COVID were our front line. Absolutely. You know, I um, I don't go to the store. I think I've been once in three weeks. And they, you know, I thank them every time because they're putting their, to me, they're putting their lives um, at risk and they're doing it willingly and they're doing it with a smile. And I think it's really important uh, to be able to shout out and say thank you so much and mm -hmm. really aware of what these people are doing. I mean, we can all, we all get a little self-absorbed in these little traumatizing times, but it is important to know we would be far more traumatized if we didn't have these, you know, little earth angels helping us out. And I got interesting stories. I had one woman who contacted me about the Front Steps Project and she said, I'm a first responder. I'm quarantined in my house right now. I my two-year-old daughter thinks that I'm still at work. Would you take pictures where she couldn't see me, but I'd be up on the balcony above her and my parents who would be downstairs? And I was like, hundred uh, percent, if that's what you would like to do. And it, she ended up going back to work. She didn't need to be in quarantine. The, it was not a case of COVID, but um, just little things like that. That is totally where we are in the world right now. And it is very different than anything that any of us has experienced before, but it is a snapshot in time of what life is like. And we've had, um, Amy Her is the curator at the Kenmore Museum, and she just spoke to me about being able to put these photos in archives. And so I think that's just another piece of it. Like this is, this is what happened in 2020. Yeah, it's really powerful. I mean, we've, you know, we, um, uh, we all want to, matter and make a difference. Amy, I know Amy, she's a lovely young lady and just so passionate. Isn't she awesome? Yeah. What a great thing to do for when we feel like we're safe again. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, nothing, nothing has to happen, <laughs> but it's, it's just yeah. that little bit of like, Hey, we, we like what is happening. We think this is a great idea. Um, especially when there's other people saying you need to stop and this isn't a good idea. It's, yeah. I don't know if you should put that in. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll think about it. 
Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the thing the thing is, is that it gives people hope and it gives people a feeling of normalcy and it gives people that sense of community. And I think a lot of those things we've lost as things, you know, we're always trying to chase the dream, right? We've forgotten what, what that dream really is. And it really comes down to, to me anyway, it's your family. It's family. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever that looks like to everybody. And so, I mean, the, to, tell, to take that picture of that nurse whose daughter... Uh, think she's working. I mean, what a, that is like beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So that would never ended up happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, you said earlier, you said if nothing, um, it doesn't have to happen, but you know, sometimes we have these, you know, um, oh, this is a pretty big disaster for the world, global disaster for the world, but it's also a reset. And I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful that, people are really looking at what's super important. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do. It is. Yeah. Uh, Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I, I really encourage you continue on with this and I really want you to do a book. You got two books here going. Oh no. <laughs> no pressure. Just <laughs> if you were ever missing your mom, I'm just here to tell you what to do. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so, so, so much for uh, joining me today. And, uh, well, I'll see you around town when. Yeah. Yeah. When I get to give you a hug. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, my gosh. Okay, thanks. Okay, hon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, and thanks for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. Thank you for listening to Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. To learn more about Helen's journaling retreats, speaking engagements, and life coaching, or to sign up for her newsletter, please visit HelenRose.ca. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.